Okay, thank you singers. Thank you. What a great job doing leading the worship today. Haven't they done well? Good job, guys. Okay, I want to uh, begin in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you are visiting with us, we've been talking a little bit now about kingdom living, the kingdom of God. That's something that Jesus preached over and over again. In fact, it is the first thing he preached when he began his public ministry. And when we talk about kingdom of God, we're not talking about geographical boundaries. We're just talking about anywhere where the rule and reign of God is respected and submitted to. So when Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, anyone who accepted what he said and began to follow him, they became part of the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God was over their life. I want to uh, read the last letter we have from one of Jesus' first followers. Simon Peter followed Jesus somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 30 years before he was martyred, uh, most people believe, during the reign of Emperor Nero. And so this is the last letter that we have. It's in the New Testament. But you can say, when you read later in the letter, he knows that the end is approaching. So he's trying to say, this is what I want to leave. I want to leave to everyone. And he's thinking about the immediate people and the territories he preached, but also he's leaving it for us. His time on earth is done. His race is about to be over. He has finished the task. And so he's turning around, kind of handing this baton of faith, of commitment and of love for God to all of us. And I want you to see how he starts this letter out. After some uh, initial salutations, greetings, he says in verse 3 of chapter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers... Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do these things, you will never fall. If you do these things, you will end up just like me. In a relationship with the Lord, I'm about ready to die, but... I'm faithful, I'm expectant, I'm full of hope, I'm full of love. Everything is strong and good. If you do these things, you will not fall. And what did he say right before that? He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody who's a Christian wants to be ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us do. But, so how do we prevent that? Well, let's talk to someone that did it. Someone that's passing the baton to us. And he says, if you possess these in increasing measure. Throughout the New Testament, over and over and over again, it talks about the Christian life being an increasing, a transforming, a growing. In fact, when you think, what is the Christian life? It is a growing process. You're never finished. You never get to the point where you say, hey, I did it. I became as much like Christ as possible. I can now take the rest of my life off and just kind of do what I want. It never happens that way. The Christian life is all about growth. That is normal. That is natural. I should say supernatural. That is the way God intended it. And Peter here is just talking, this is what I did. This is what I want you all to do. So how do we grow, though? Isn't that the question? How do you grow spiritually? God's will is that we be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8, 29. That is His will. He wants you, your character, to be just like Jesus. That's a lifetime process. That's a lifetime relationship with God. How do we do that? What are the steps? How do we approach this? You know, Dallas Willard came up with a great visual on how to grow spiritually. And I love it. Very insightful. He calls it the golden triangle of spiritual growth. And at the apex, the top of the triangle, is the Holy Spirit. Rightly so. Right? Because only He can empower us to be transformed into the image of Christ. We can't do that on our own power. We don't have the insight to do that. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples that when he left, he would send the Comforter. And he would guide you into all truth. And he talked about he would be in you. You know, while Jesus was walking this earth, experiencing what it's like to be a human being, he had to confine himself to one place, one time. Why? Because that's our lot as humans, right? But he said, don't worry, when I go, someone's coming back. That is God himself in the other person, the Holy Spirit. And what he will do, he will come to live within you to help change your mind, help transform your character so that you can be everything God created you to be. When I was thinking about becoming a Christian, I was scared to death of one thing. I'd overcome all my fears about it, but right when I got to the point, I thought, you know what, for 19 years I've lived pretty much my life going in the opposite direction of Christ. I profaned him, I blasphemed him, I did all sorts of things that, you know, were just totally unchristian. And so, I know I can be forgiven, but what's going to happen beyond that? Oh my goodness, I've never been able to do the right thing before this. How in the world am I going to do it now? And reading about that promise that Peter had given the people on the day of Pentecost, and given every generation since then, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive God himself to not only be with you, but be in you. We need to have the mind of Christ. I can't do that on my own power. None of us can. 
But he does that for us. That's the whole reason. It's not about salvation just the forgiveness of sins. It's about redemption. It's about being bought back from sin, being belonging to God, walking with Him, and Him transforming us to become the people we were originally created to be. The sin is forgiven, and now the empowerment for transformation. That is what God wants. And so at the apex, how do you grow? The golden triangle? Holy Spirit at the top. And then the lower two corners are our response. Remember what Jesus said in John 17? He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? It's knowing God. It is a relationship. It takes two to have a relationship. There's God has given, we respond. Yes, I want that relationship. No, I don't want it. We have a response. So the bottom two angles of that triangle are our response, and they come about in two ways. One way is in life's situations, and especially in temptation. Okay? That's important for spiritual growth. And the other way is our planned discipline to allow a new heart. We have to put ourselves into a discipline in response to all God's doing for us, to make sure that we inherit and create and have this new heart created in us. So today, I want to just, just think about this. Because with this uh, triangle, Holy Spirit, life situations, and our plan discipline, you know what? You've got to have all three to grow. You can't have just one. Many times on the American cultural scene, people just want the Holy Spirit part. They don't want to respond at all. Holy Spirit, you do it. You do it. Okay, I'm here at church. You change me. He won't change anyone that doesn't want to be changed. So how do you want to be changed? It's how you respond in life situations and what you're pursuing right here. The power comes from him, but the response is up to you. So you can't just say, we just the Holy Spirit alone. No, we've got to be wanting to. You can't just say, well, look, in life situations, I'll just have a positive mental attitude no, if you have no divine power, you can't be transformed. So it's not a question of which best or what. We need all three. It's kind of like fire, right? Fire takes three elements. It takes a spark, it takes oxygen, and it takes fuel. Take any one of those elements out, you'll never have fire. You won't do it. But you put all three of those together, you have fire. And so in kind of igniting the fire of our soul, let's go into this a little deeper. Let's look at this golden triangle of spiritual growth and see what does it mean to grow. If you're visiting with us, you're not a Christian, think about this. Because what I want you to know is God stacked the deck in your favor. He stacked, no matter what you, you think or no matter how afraid, he, has, he is on your side, He set it up. It is a no-lose situation. And the interesting thing, you end up becoming everything you wanted to be in the first place, but you went this circuitous route trying to get it. God's the creator is going to bring you there. So let's go. First of all, the Holy Spirit. Look over in 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3. There in verse 17, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God's Spirit gives us freedom. In what way? Gives us freedom from old ways, old patterns, old thinking. Gives us freedom from frustration. We want to do the right thing, but we don't have the power to do it. Gives us freedom to become everything that we need to be. You think about that. If, if you do not have an opportunity to advance yourself in your particular job, now, I'm not talking about ability, I'm just saying opportunity. You really don't feel free in that job, do you? But all of a sudden, there's every opportunity available for you to advance. You know, if you learn this, if you go through this uh, training, if you put this into your schedule, if you do all these things, you will be promoted. And then you will, how do you feel? You're free. You're free. You feel like, wow, I'm beginning to attain to my ability, my potential as a worker. Even more so in life. The Holy Spirit sets us free from all the things that dog us and come back over and over and over again. Now, is it a freedom that it's like a magic wand? Bing! Daniel's now free from everything. No, there'll be temptation. Satan, the evil one, will always come after us. But... We now can say no. We now have a way to think about things differently, a different perspective, a different power, and it makes all the difference because we experience transformation, we're going to talk about this in a second, in those tough situations. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes, you can be a Christian. Yes, you can can grow as a disciple. Yes, you can deal with things in your life. Yes, you can, over and over and over again. Do you ever notice how God will always take us where we are, but what is he interested in? Taking us to where we need to be, right? What? That's what a father does anyway. That's why he is the ultimate perfect heavenly parent. Accepts us where we are, but knows that's not good for us to stay there. There's something wrong if they were stunted there. So I will do whatever it takes to bring you along to attain to your full potential as a human being created in the image of God. What is that? There was only one perfect human. And that was Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. So he's there. He's willing. He wants to set us free. So that's one part we need to think about. Now let's go to life's situations. Go over to James. Chapter 1, James 1. This is what I call a double-take scripture. First time I read this, I had to do a double-take and make sure I read it correctly. Because it did not make any sense to me at all. Right now, I want you to think of some of the most difficult times in your life. If you're a Christian, think of some of the most difficult times. It can be loss, it can be anxiety, it can be financial disaster, it can be hell, it can, you know, you name it. One thing about a fallen world, 
there'll never be any shortage of difficulties, will, will there? None at all. And what happens when those things come to us? These are life situations. These are the temptations. You know, it's, it's easy in one sense to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you know, as we're reading scriptures and say, wow, I need to become like that, if that's an easy thing. When the Holy Spirit tells me, love your mother, oh, okay, that's not really a challenge. But what if mom is not that lovable? Okay, so what do I still need to do? Love your mom. Oh, not only that, love your enemy. Oh, that's impossible. No, I mean, are you out of your mind? How in the world? It, it is impossible. I grant that for a human being. But God says that this is how we ought to be. Lord, how can I do that? Live a pure life. Well, that's impossible. My goodness, look at this world. How does a person live a pure life? Be honest. Don't ever lie. Have you ever been in business on this earth? Have you ever been in business? Are you out of your mind? That's impossible. I can't. These are what God expects. That is what the fulfilled life is all about. But we can't do it. Ah, life situations. James 1, the double-take passage. Verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that you, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Fulfillment, wholeness, transformation. That is what this is talking about. But how does that come? It comes through these trials. It comes through these intense times. And what James is saying, consider pure joy. Are you kidding me, James? Pure joy. You've got to be out of your mind. Why? Because this is the arena for true transformation. It's interesting. When Paul was writing 1 Corinthians, he said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. He's kind of boiling down the, the, the gems of living to faith, hope, and love. You cannot have faith until you're in the arena of doubt. You cannot have hope until you're in the arena of discouragement. You cannot have love until you're in the arena of either resentment or indifference. You can, now, you can have a form of hope, a form of faith. Oh, I believe, I believe that Ramon's going to see me later today. Okay, great. That's a great thing of faith. All right, that's nothing... I'm talking about when you're in an arena when all that's it's just dark and all of your expectations, the way you thought you can't see how something's going to happen. Now, we're going to talk about divine hope. Christianity is not about self-improvement. It is about divine transformation. It is about growth. And it's only in that arena are you ever going to have the faith of Christ. Jesus came into this world. There was Plenty of stuff to not be able to see. He saw it anyway. He saw how he could do it. Jesus came to this world and saw all reason to not hope. People will never, they don't want it. They'll just keep going on and on. You can't redeem it. And he hoped anyway. Jesus came in this world and people hated him. They crucified him. They spit on him. They humiliated him. And, and he loved him anyway. That is true faith hope, and love. It only comes 
through the arena of hard times and temptation. We want to grow spiritually. The Holy Spirit is going to, wants to set us free. It's going to be in those arenas. I like to do this. I read this probably once, twice a year in messages. And it's not that I just don't know anything else. I just like this, okay? Um, this poem, as a young Christian, meant a lot to me. And I go back. You've heard it before. But it's the prayer for humility. <clears throat> I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but got everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all people most richly blessed. It's in the arena. That's why we consider it pure joy. God transforms us there. So question, when these situations come upon us, how do we respond? Is it one with, God, I'm, I'm struggling, I need your help, but I want you to transform me. What do I need to learn in this? I've got tears coming out of my eyes, but there's something to learn here. Help me, help me please. Is it that? Or is it anger? I can't believe this happened. I cannot believe this happened. I tried this, I tried, and look what happened. Look at the situation I'm in. Where is God? People do that. Some people just, you know what, dismiss it. Don't even want to think about it. Don't even want to deal. Here I am, didn't really work. I don't, just don't want to think about it. Let me get busy doing something else. Sometimes people have self-pity. Well, how come Daniel's not going through what I'm going through? How come things are easier for Daniel? How come Daniel's this and Daniel's that and whatever? And you know the whole time what happens? They miss the point. Bad things happen in this world. You know why? God's still giving man his free will. Satan's still tempting. There's a shelf life on this way of things, this reality. I just want you to know it's coming to an end. I don't know when. Don't know when. Anytime. But it's coming to an end. But at that point, it's all over. There's no, you know, hey, we'll just talk. No, done. Evil will be dealt with. And everyone following God will live in his praise. Here's the thing. Sometimes we just fight when we're in the arena. We want our lives to be a certain way, but we don't want our lives to be God's way. And that's what we need to want more than anything else. Pray this prayer. Lord, whatever it takes, break me to make me, and I am yours. Now that's an arena that the Holy Spirit will set you free in. It's hard, it's difficult, but he will empower you and there'll be others. Okay, so now let's go to the third uh, angle here, and that is the planned discipline for a new heart. Look over at Colossians 3. 
Colossians 3. The book of Colossians has a lot about spiritual development. Uh, You know, Paul didn't know the the church at Colossae as well, so he kind of just writes this, indicating a lot of just great instruction about, you know, growing spiritually. And look what he says here. This is a very practical part. Many times when Paul would be inspired to write a letter, he'd lay out a lot of the theological things. Here's what to believe. Here's what reality is. And then he concludes it with all the practical. Here's how to put into practice everything I was just talking about. And you can see that in Romans. You see that here in Colossians. See that uh, in Ephesians. But in Colossians 3, verse 5, He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you can ha- that you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He's talking about tearing off the old self, putting on the new self. I want to be like Christ. I want to be transformed. I don't... What's your plan? What's your plan? It's amazing. We have plans for everything else. If you're a business owner, you've got a plan. Oh, I just want to be in business. Okay. What do you want to do? Oh, I want to sell these things. Okay. What's your plan? Oh, I don't have a plan. It's just going to happen. I'm really confident of it. I want to be healthy. Oh, great. Because healthy is good. Great. What's your plan? Oh, I don't have a plan. I'm just going to sit here and get healthy. I want to have friends. Great. That's awesome. So, what's your plan? I'm just going to stay home, watch TV, and hope I develop friends. I mean, you know, we'd all laugh at that. Why is it when it comes to being God's own people? When it comes to being the redeemed, the people that have been taught to say no to God, and yes to self-controlled, upright lives, why is it that we don't have a plan? Right here, Paul is offering the Colossians a plan. Put off these things. Rid yourself of these and clothe yourselves with these. This is what you do. So the big question is, what is your plan? And if you don't have a plan, why don't you have a plan? Because if you don't, you will not be experiencing the transformation that God intended for you. You won't be growing the way God intended for you to grow. Um, Jeff and Florence Seconder wrote a great book about building emotional intimacy in your marriage. And in one of the chapters in there, they were likening this to a 
home improvement TV show they, they had seen, but they said there were three stages. You have the inspection, the demolition, and the renovation. And so the inspection, obviously you're looking at the home, what's, what's wrong? Demolition, get the bad out. Renovation, put the good in. Isn't that what we have to do in our plan to grow spiritually? Peter left a plan. He goes, I'll tell you what, guys, why don't you add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, love. You know, and, and, and on. There was a plan. There's a plan. Now that plan can, you know, here, and Paul told the Colossians, take this away, put this on. The plan can be individual, but one thing's for sure, there is a discipline. What will you do with the Word of God? The Bible is not to be read to be checked off. It's supposed to open our minds to the mind of Christ who lives within us. It's supposed to take our will as we read this and say, you know, that's right, and now we're starting to let the mind of Christ. God formed that in us. So what's your plan for reading the Scriptures? Well, I'm going to read it every day. No, no, what's the plan for it? I'm going to read and open my heart to it every day. What's your plan in prayer, in silence, in solitude? What's your plan? I was talking to one brother recently. I, I really appreciate it. He said, you know what? I had to call a brother and say, I need to get with you a couple of times a month for discipling. Now, why did he say that? He had a plan. He has a plan. There are things in his life that he wants help with. He wants to change. He wants to allow the Holy Spirit to transform him. But he needs some godly, objective eyes to make sure he's not deceiving himself. Have you ever noticed how many times the Scriptures say, don't be deceived? Now how in the world could God say that to people that already have the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't rip our free will away. We can deceive. I need brothers. I need sisters to say things to me that they see. You know why? I'm blind. I think I, I see everything clearly. But I know that's impossible. Nobody in and of themselves sees everything clearly. But when you have people that are godly and spiritual saying, Brother, what about this? Or even saying, Brother, good job on this, that, and the other. We need it all, don't we? But that's part of the plan. Who have you invited into your life? Who are you saying, man, let's help each other enjoy the transformation that we get to be a part of. Let's not take a shortcut. Let's not take the Holy Spirit out of it. Let's not take the life challenges out of it. And let's not take a plan out of it. Let's do all three. Will you help me? I'll help you. But that is how we grow. As the singers are coming forward, I want to go back to 2 Peter. Guys, come on up. And... Uh, once again, I want us to look at what our older brother says here. In verse 10 of chapter 1, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you, that's any of us here, any of us, do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have liked to have seen Peter's martyrdom, the pain, but I would have liked to have had a picture of his face before it. 
There was no doubt who he was with. There was no doubt who was with him to give him the courage to face that. And you know why? Because for 30-some years, in increasing measure, he kept growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think he used that golden triangle. He talks about his letters, the Holy Spirit, challenging times, and he had a plan. And God got the glory. Daniel's going to lead us in closing prayer, and then we'll all stand. And in fact, go ahead and stand right now, and the singers will close us out in the song. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your powerful words that you've given.